Hey guys, before we jump in the episode, I just want to remind you to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. I really appreciate it. It helps me out a lot. It gets the podcast uh, pushed out to more people so we can grow this audience and uh, grow this podcast. So if you feel like it's worthy of one, I'd really appreciate it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. And without any further ado, here's the new episode. Welcome back. We're back here for episode six. This is the Quack Attic Podcast, and I'm your host, David Lehman. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot to talk about this week. Um, a lot has happened since uh, the last episode. We've had a lot of hunts. We've got more hunts to come. We're in the final week of Arkansas's duck season. And um, we're going to try and finish this thing out strong. So. Um, let's go ahead and kick things off real quick by saying I am currently quarantined. So I am doing a 10 day quarantine for COVID exposure. Uh, I do not have COVID, but, uh, I have had contact with someone who has COVID, uh, took a, a dolly back to a buddy of mine and he had gotten tested because he had just traveled. He was fine, no symptoms. And uh, so I take the dolly to him, and I was going to go back and have a beer with him later that evening after dinner and everything. And and uh, he texted me and said, hey, don't come back over. Test came back positive. So I uh, got in touch with my work, and um, that's, uh, yeah, so I can do a seven-day quarantine if I get tested, but I'm not going to get tested because I don't have any symptoms. I'm not I'm not going to go get tested if I don't have symptoms, if I don't have any reason to go get tested, just like I wouldn't go get tested for the flu if I didn't have any flu symptoms. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to do the 10-day, and then if I, get, uh, if I get some symptoms or something, then I'll go get tested and I'll, you know, take the necessary steps for that so you know it kind of it kind of works out because you know it's 10 days i got a quarantine um just kind of try to stay away from people i guess and uh so i'm gonna go do that in uh, a marsh just do some solo hunts this week uh some midweek hunts and then by the weekend my 10 days will be up and i'll be good to go and yeah so Anyway, I, uh, I've got several hunts to recap, and then um, we're going to talk about, um, at the very end, we're going to talk about how sometimes uh, a tough season can be a little bit discouraging, and uh, I guess kind of a, a way to look at that. Now, we'll talk... We'll, I don't know how to explain it without giving it all away, but we'll talk about that at the end. But first, let's recap some hunts. So, uh, Wednesday, I hunted um, with uh, the guy who married the girl I went to high school with that I told you all about in the last episode. We went to uh, the private property that he's got permission on and uh, had a really good time. It's only the second time I've hunted with him. 
and uh uh but we had we had a good time we got out there got decoys set um got in the blind rebrushed the blind just a little bit and uh we uh had a group of teal come in uh right at shooting light and then we had a bunch of wood ducks flying around and um it got a little bit crazy there for a little bit uh um shot my first wood duck it was a hen but a really really beautiful bird it was the first wood duck i've ever even had an opera well i guess not the first one but only the second time i ever even had an opportunity to shoot at a wood duck and so i was excited about that unfortunately didn't get a drake to go with it uh one thing i would really like to do is uh, I want to. I've always wanted to have a, a drake and hen wood duck mounted together. So I've got the hen. Now I just need to get the drake. And uh, once I do, then I'll I'll get those mounted together. But we had a really good time. Tons and tons of birds. I could not believe the amount of birds we saw. And and for the area that we were hunting, I just I I've never known it to be this. And of course. You know, I didn't grow up hunting, so I wouldn't have known about it growing up. Um, but I just, I, I, I could not believe that 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 those kinds of numbers of birds were were there. Uh, it was really, really cool. Um, so, unfortunately, <laughs> the frustrating part was there was a pond probably two two hundred fifty yards away on the next property over. I mean, right on the fence line, and. Um, Looked like it had some acorns in there, and there were live birds, so we just couldn't compete. We were having a hard time pulling. We worked several groups, you know, and and he uh, he went and flushed them. He drove a uh, the ranger down and got the birds up off, and I worked them, worked them, worked them, and got them to circle several times. But they just they were wanting in that other spot, and it's just you know that's just how it goes sometimes, and that's what we were both saying out there is just you know. Sometimes that's just how it goes. So, um, but we killed four birds, uh, three green wing teal. It was two drakes and a hen, and then the one hen wood duck. So after that, I went down and scouted um, a place down in uh, the river valley and found a ton of mallards. There were, you know, two to three hundred mallards on this on this uh public spot um planned on hunting it the next morning i got up a little late got down there late it's over a mile walk from where you have to park to get into this spot and thankfully it's walking down a road but i packed light i had a dozen decoys on my back my gun my blind bag and i took a jet sled down because it was kind of a it's not true timber, but it's as close to timber as you're going to get, you know, anywhere up here, probably on public land at least. Um, so I walked in, there were two guys in there. I didn't see them and I got in and hunted with them for just a second. And then I went on to the back and flushed up well over a hundred birds on the way back. Um, and I found a really good hole it was a pain in the butt getting there, but I think if you got there on time and got there early, uh, it could be a really, really good spot. You know, you wouldn't need very many decoys. It would be an easy pack in and uh, could be really, really good. So that's one to remember for the future 
it was a frustrating hunt though, but I learned a lot. I learned a new spot, kind of learned how to get in and out safely because there are uh, several beaver huts in there and kind of found the runs and, and the beaver runs and where to walk and where not to walk. Um, so that was good, you know, learned some things there, found the hole, um, kind of figured out how the birds were, were working in that area. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, learned some things there, but didn't, didn't even fire shot. So, um, so that was Thursday. So Friday, I, I had some errands that I had to do. I had some things I had to take care of. Um, so I kind of took Friday off, but I, one of the things I had to do Friday was, um, get grass for the blind because I had a special hunt lined up for Saturday. Um, I got a Christmas tree from a guy in my neighborhood. Uh, he had it sitting out in his yard and I asked him what he was going to do with it. He said he was trying to find somewhere to get rid of it. And I, said I'll take it off your hands so he was excited to get rid of it and I was excited to have it so cut all the branches off of that all the little limbs and uh, used that for blind material which was great um so back oh I guess it was New Year's Eve uh, I talked to a friend of my dad's and I was talking to him and his son and him hunt a bunch and you know, they deer hunt, turkey hunt, hog hunt. They they hunt just about everything you can imagine. But uh, his son, who's 15, had has never duck hunted and was wanting to try it. And uh, his dad's hunted, uh, duck hunted a bunch. But uh, his son hadn't, was wanting to try it. And so, but he told me, he said, you know, he doesn't have waders, so I need to take him somewhere um, where he doesn't need waders to see if he likes it before we go do that. I said, all right. And I said, well, I've, I've got some spots. If, if I see some birds there, we'll, we'll get something together. So, uh, Wednesday afternoon, when I got back from scouting down South, I drove by, uh, my mother-in-law's property and there were uh, a little over a dozen mallards on it and there were birds flying around. So I was like, okay, well, there's some birds moved in here. Great. And I've been seeing a bunch of geese in the area, not necessarily on the pond, but in the area of the pond, like within a hundred yards of it on different properties. So, um, drove up by the sheet water on the next property just south of hers. And there was several mallards on it as well. A couple dozen on there. So, uh, I text him and let him know, Hey, there's birds over here. Would you guys want to hunt Saturday? And he said, yep, that'll work. So we got it set up for Saturday morning, and it was an awesome, awesome morning. I got out there, got everything set up. They got there just as I was almost done. Um, so we get over in the blind. I got the blind set up Friday night, and uh, we get set up, and I'm kind of explaining to his son, you know, kind of how it's been happening out there as far as the birds coming in um, you know, most of the time they come in right after shooting light, they don't make a sound. They're just all of a sudden here they are and they're on the water. Um, and that's what happened. So I told him now to, to understand this kid, he shoots trap and skeet competitively and is very talented. Um, he is a hunting fool. Uh, I knew if we got birds in, he would get a bird. Uh, he is, and he's done some upland hunting, 
um, and dove hunting, stuff like that. So he's, he is a, he knows what to do. He knows how to shoot birds. Just hadn't shot ducks yet. So we had four mallards come in and I'm sitting on the left side of the blind. He's in the middle and his dad's on the right. And so I tell him there's two drakes and two hens. Tell him which ones are the drakes. I said, just pick one out, shoot them on the water, and then get ready because they're going to get up and then shoot the rest. So he shoots the one and drop, of course, smokes it on the water. The other two fly uh, to the, our right, so across the pond and across our blind, and then one flies out to the left on my side. And so, and it was a hen. I shot her, and then they were shooting at the ones that flew off across the pond. And so, all the shooting stops, and and uh, we're kind of hooping and hollering and getting excited. And and I said, "How many did y'all shoot?" And and uh, the boy get, tells me, he said, "I think I shot two of them. I think I dropped down two. And then his dad lets me know, "Yeah, I shot one." I said, "Okay, great." So I go pick them up. We knocked down all four of them. Got them all. And, uh, so it was his first birds. He shot a drake and a hen pair that came paired up and, uh, the look on his face, bringing those mallards back to the blind was absolutely priceless. It was just, it was so cool. Um, uh, that it just brought back that feeling of the first time, you know, I went hunting and the first time I killed a bird and how excited I was to seeing the excitement on his face and just the ear to ear smile. It was so cool. Um, he was, he was stoked. Um, and, and this kid, man, and they're, they have a, a daughter that's just a couple years younger than their son and, and both of them, they're just so polite. They're just the most polite kids. Um, it's yes, sir. No, sir. Everything. Um, and so it couldn't have it couldn't have happened any better and uh, I was I was a little disappointed that it was only 4 because the morning before when I scouted I scouted it Friday morning and uh there were like you know a dozen birds landing on it first and there was another big group or I say big group seven or eight working above it a big group for this area and this pond in particular so I was kind of expecting there to be several birds on, you know, coming in and that was, it was, it was much less than what I expected. So, but, uh, he was excited and it was great. And so we're sitting there and I end up, I'm sitting on my butt and on the, in the blind and kind of down on the knee. I had it tight cause I wanted to make sure we were covered cause I wanted it to be, I didn't want there to be any errors in the hunt, um, so they were sitting on stools. I was sitting on the ground, and uh, I really wasn't planning on shooting that day. So I basically had my gun to clean up cripples and, you know, like the mallard that was getting out to the left, you know, you know, knocking down a bird like that that's coming out to my side and getting out of there. So, um, so I end up getting up at one point. And I'm just standing right there next to the blind, stretching my legs out, and we hear these geese and they, they come in super, super low and they're flying like below the tree line. I mean, they are low, low. So I hop in the blind real quick and they come by and they're going slow, but they're, they're just out of range. Um, they're just a hair too far to shoot at. And so 
uh, they get to the left side of the blind and they see right in the edge. You know, I didn't, I didn't pull up the, the brush that I'd knocked down. I think they saw me and they took off. So I'm like, ah, I'm bummed, but Hey, we saw some geese. Great. That's a good, good sign. And the way they were flying, they're coming right by the pond. So that's, that's good for us. And I'd put out, uh, four floaters, my four goose floaters that I got this year. And then I put out like a dozen dive bomb silhouettes up on the bank. Uh, to where it looks like they're, you know, I've got the four floaters right there, real shallow, right next to dry land. And then I've got the dozen, you know, with a few resters looking like they're kind of just chilling on the bank. And then a couple uh, actives with their head up, I guess, sentry position, you could call it. And then some feeders um, trying to make it look realistic. And it's in a spot where they're, you know, if the geese are there, that's exactly where they're going to be. Um, So... We have another two come from the left side, and they land in the field south of us, which we've never seen them land there. Um, it was kind of odd. I don't know where they went because I never saw them get up, but I could, I, they weren't there when we left, so I, I'm not really sure where they went or what they did. Uh, if they got up and left, they were very, very quiet about it. So... Anyway, we're sitting there, and we're talking about all kinds of things. He's telling me about uh, some turkey hunts they had last year. He's he's big into the turkey hunting, and so we were talking about that. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting on my butt, so I can't see this to the right. And they say, "Here comes three, three geese," and I can hear them. So I start looking through the blind. I've got a little bit of crease through the blind. I can see through, and I see them coming. I moan and cluck a little bit, and I told I told him, I said, "All right, if they get," I said, "As soon as they get over this water." You jump up and, and knock them down. So I'm watching, I'm watching. I, you know, they get over the water and shoot them. And they get up and boom, 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 boom. And he shoots his three and his dad's shooting. And uh, once again, one comes over to my side. And I'm just sitting on my butt. So I tried to kind of poke it as it's getting out behind us. And I missed it. And I knew it wasn't probably going to connect. But I figured I'd sling one at it and maybe get lucky. But... So I'm, I'm getting up and I say, did you get any? And he goes, no, I didn't get one. I whiffed. And, uh, but his dad says, I knocked down two. And I was like, all right. And so, uh, they're right in the, you know, right in the middle of the pond. I said, all right, I'm going to get them. They're swimming around. So we, we finish them off and, uh, on the water and, and, uh, I head out there to get them and, uh, I pick up the first one and, uh, they're, they're big honkers. I mean, they're, they're good sized birds. They're every bit of 15 pounds for sure so uh, i get the first one i go i had to go under the um jerk or the motion ducks and the jerk cord line to get to the second one i get it and i'm walking back and i picked them up just to feel the weight of them because they were just they were big 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 bodied birds and i see something on the leg of one and it's a band and i just I mean, it was like Christmas Day, little kid Christmas morning, just the feeling of excitement that came over me, and I didn't even shoot. Like, I shot at a bird that was getting out. I didn't even shoot this bird or shoot at this bird, and I go, it's got a band, and and uh, <laughs> excuse the language, but he goes, you're shitting me. <laughs> I said, no, I'm serious, and uh, he's like, no, you're messing with me. And he thought I was joking, and I was like, I'm dead serious, this thing's banded. And uh, 
So I bring it over and he's all excited. I mean, it's like he's a kid again and, and, uh, we're just giddy. All of us, all three of us, we're just, we can't contain the excitement that we just killed a band out here. So we end up looking it up and, uh, he, he gets it punched in on his phone and it was banded in 2016. It was too young to fly when it was banded, so the, it was about a five-year-old bird. And then it was banded at Lake Uchi in Delaware County, so it was just across the state line from us because we're in Siloam Springs, and and uh, so it was a local, locally banded bird, and it's just hung around here probably its whole life, and and uh, just super, super cool experience. I was. It, being able to provide such a memorable first hunt for him, for his son, and for them to, for him, for his son to get the mallards and him to get a banded goose, like it was just, it was a very cool experience and and so much fun to be a part of and be able to facilitate that. Um, that was that was such a wonderful feeling for me. Um, that was honestly that was better than killing the shooting our three-man limit opening day that was that was better than the thanksgiving hunt where we got the geese the first time i mean that was being able to give that experience to somebody else and get them on them was was really really awesome and it um yeah it, it was just it was great it was such a good time so um so that was it. That ended up being all we saw. We we sat around for a little bit. Oh, we had a we had two more ducks, you know, in between the ducks and the geese at the first that we probably should have shot at. Um, they flew right over the top of the blind. I thought they were going to circle and come around and decoy in, and they didn't. And looking back, we all three were like, "Yeah, we should have shot those ducks." But uh, anyway, so yeah, so we killed four mallards, uh, two drakes, two hens, and then we killed, or uh, his dad killed the two geese and one that was banded. So he's getting that mounted, um, and it was a big bird, good-looking bird, uh, the band on it. It was, it was, it was great. Uh, so, um, and so that was that hunt. So the next day. Um, son, is that yesterday? Yeah, yesterday, Sunday morning, I went back out there and, uh, I pull up and I left my decoys, uh, overnight. I just left them there because I told them, I was like, I may come back and hunt it in the morning. And so, you know, if I do, then I'll just, you know, leave them here. So I went back and I get there and there's two geese on the pond and it's like, 30 40 minutes till shooting light so i i drive in park my truck get my stuff out and i walk up uh on the it's the blind is on the dam side and so i walk up the back of the dam and i just sit lay on my belly up on top of the dam just to where i can see these geese and i'm just watching them and so and just trying not to spook them off before shooting light so i'm watching my watch and uh, keep an eye on the time, and and uh, as soon as it turns shooting light, I get up, shoot the one on the water, the other one starts to get up, knock it down, uh, finish that one off on the water, the other one, uh, I hit its wing, and honestly, it probably would have lived, 
uh, it just wouldn't have been able to fly. So it would have gotten, you know, gotten by a predator, a coyote or something. But it gets up out of the water and starts waddling out through this field. And it was dark, dark at shooting light too. I mean, if, if these birds hadn't have been there and they'd come in, I probably wouldn't have even shot at them because I wouldn't have been able to hardly see them. Uh, so I get the one out of the water and, um, I'm pretty positive it was a lesser. Um, it was either a lesser or a super, super young can like one years old, one year old or something like, I don't know. I'll have to, I'm going to have to look into it a little bit more because I just don't know a whole lot about like how to differentiate the two. Um, I know obviously the graders are bigger than the lessers, but, um, I'm going to do a little more research on that, but it was much smaller than the other one. So I get out and I'm walking through this field. I shoot at it again and I thought I hit it and I guess I didn't cause it just kept on walking. So I finally, it sits down and I'm running out through the field after this thing on a dead sprint with my waders on. I finally get close enough to it and it's laying down on the ground. It's got its head sticking up and I shoot it and finish it off. I go pick this thing up and I'm not kidding you. This thing is pushing 20 pounds. I mean, I have never seen a goose this big. Uh, it is humongous. I've got it in my freezer right now because I am going to get it mounted. I told my wife back several months ago, well, after we killed the geese on Thanksgiving morning, I said, if I can get a goose, like a big, big Canada, that's in good shape and looks good and is not real messed up from being shot, I'm going to get it mounted. It's like, I just, I want a goose mounted. So I'm going to get it mounted where it's like cupped up feet down, you know, with the neck out and everything like the, the typical like goose coming in look. Um, it's, it's going to be huge. I stretched its wings out on my tailgate and it hung over an inch or two on each side of my tailgate of my truck. Um, the chest on it is no less than 12 inches wide. I mean, it's just humongous bird. The head on it's like a, the size of a baseball. It's just, it's a, it's a big old goose. So, um, and then I had three mallards come in and land on the far side of the pond. And I got, it was two hens and a drake and I got the drake, um, it was a long shot with the Carlson's mid-range, but the Boss Shot Shells got it done. Uh, just placed an order for some more Boss Shot Shells, and I'm telling y'all right now, we're gonna we're about to, you know, season's almost over, so we're about to hit this patterning series, and uh, I'm I am going to shoot Boss Shells uh, next year. I will be uh ordering a case of them next year um after patterning them just real quick and shooting them they are really really great i like them a lot um recoil is is very manageable they're very consistent um so far i think i am Let's see, I shot five, four or five shells and killed, I think, two or three birds when I hunted Wednesday. 
Thursday I didn't shoot at all. Saturday I shot I shot four shells and killed no, I didn't shoot four shells. I shot three shells. Well, I shot more than that. I shot three shells and killed one bird. But I shot more shells than that, just finishing off crippleds and stuff so I could get them. I wasn't going to chase birds. But my point is, is they're very consistent and they knock down birds. They have, uh, they've been very, I've been very impressed by them. So I am, uh, I've been converted. I am a boss guy now. Um, still love those Kent Bismuths though. Um, if I can get my hands on, you know, a box of them, I'll definitely get some more. But the cool thing about the boss, it's direct to consumer. There's no going through, you know, searching all over online to find them. You just go to bossshotshells.com and there they are. Um, they're pretty good about keeping their stock. So none of this doing like with the Kent's, you know, bismuth of looking for the, looking for the shells everywhere not being able to find them because they're out of stock everywhere so um the other cool thing about the boss is you know it's copper plated bismuth and i have my my grandfather's old 16 gauge and it is not a nice 16 gauge by any means like it's not of it it's not a valuable firearm but it's valuable to me just due to sentimental reasons he passed away when i was 11 and i inherited this uh, my dad essentially you know let me have it and it's an old sears and roebuck pump 16 gauge and i can get uh shells through um boss that i can safely shoot through it and I would really like to take it upland hunting because I just literally just found out this year that my grandpa um, used to do a lot of upland hunting and had bird dogs. He had, I think, uh, Brittany Spaniels. And and uh, so he was a bird hunter. And so I, that's pretty cool for me. And, and it would be really, really, I'm a very nostalgic person. And so to be able to take his gun out that he shot birds with and shoot birds with would just be really an incredible thing for me. It would, it would be very, very special. So, um, that's the other thing about the boss that I really, really like, and they've got turkey loads. So, um, which is the other thing that's really cool. We were talking about on Saturday uh, when I took the father-son out hunting. Uh, we got to talk about the turkey hunting, and his boy was telling me about the turkeys he killed his bow last year out in western Oklahoma. And and uh, they were asking me if I'd ever done it, and I told them no, but I'd you know been told several times I need to do it, and I had an open invitation to go in Mississippi. But that guy's selling his property, and... So they they told me they're like, well, hey, we'll take you out and we'll we'll call you we'll try to call you in a a, a turkey next year this spring, so or this yeah this spring. So I guess I might get to go turkey hunting this year. So that'd be a pretty cool experience. I, I I'm excited about that. I've never done it, and I told them I was like, I wouldn't even know what to do or where to start. You know, like I, I have I have no idea like where to even go to begin. Uh, 
to do that. So, uh, so yeah, that, that may happen. And, and, uh, I think, uh, I think we're going to do some hunting together this next year too. And it's, it's going to be a, a good hunting relationship. I think I'm, I'm going to try and get them on some, some more, some better hunts than that, where we can get, uh, a lot more birds than what we had Saturday. So for, for his son and, and for him, I think, I think I can, I think I can put together some better hunts. So anyway, enough of that. That's, uh, so that, that concludes all the hunt recaps. That's everything that happened last week. Um, I did not hunt today. It rained like freaking crazy. I'm hunting in the morning at the pond again, cause my decoys are still out there. Uh, and I'm going to pick them up tomorrow. And then I've got to go out to my property and pump water again because we had a torrential rain last night. So my property flooded again that we're trying to sell. And I don't want uh, knee-deep water chilling on the on the uh, property while I'm trying to sell it. So anyway, real fun stuff. Real exciting. I'm uh, looking forward to this week. Uh, to do a little uh, quarantine hunting. And, uh, yeah, what better way to quarantine than just going hunting by yourself? So, anyway, let's get into the topic that I want to discuss. Um, I wrote down here on my notes, complaining about hunting, but um, I see this a lot. Uh, I see it a lot on social media on various Facebook groups, and I hear it from new hunters very regularly. And it's something that that bothers me, and it's something that really gets under my skin. And, and I think it goes back a lot to just uh, my football days and, um, like, in football, I was never the biggest, fastest, strongest guy, but I worked pretty hard and and, uh, you know, I put the time in in the off season, and I would miss out on a lot of fun things to to work out and try to get prepared for the next season in college. And and uh, so I'd be home for summer breaks, you know, and I would just be working out or working constantly. And, and I would still hang out with friends and have fun, but there were a lot of times where, you know, I'd be like, hey, man, you want to go four-wheeling with us? And I'd say, no, I, I can't, man. I, I can't afford to, you know, take a chance of getting hurt, you know, or I got to work out. I can't go on this – I can't go on the spring break trip to the beach because I got to work out, you know, and I got spring ball starting when we get back, you know. So I was always willing to put that kind of work in in the off season on my own. And that's kind of what I'm going to talk about here is um, I've had two new hunters uh, express the same thing to me. And I've had, I've watched several people on Facebook groups say the same thing and they're complaining about how, you know, this year it's, it's been a tough year. This is, you know, if this was your first year duck hunting, this is a, this is a rough year to get into it because it's just been kind of a strange season. You know, the weather was, the weather was what it was. It didn't get cold up North like it normally would you would expect it to, you know, when you're in the upper thirties at night in North Dakota, like that doesn't make for some good hunting down here. You know, and never, they never did get the snow like, like you normally get to push the birds. So, you know, food sources didn't get covered up and, and water didn't freeze. So it's, 
you know, it's unfortunate. It's just kind of how it is. You know, I I do think that the the lack of pressure in Canada this year, just due to them closing the borders to U.S. hunters, I I think that had something to do with it. I think the birds just didn't move because they didn't have the pressure. You know, at first I thought that it would be a really good thing where you know the the birds would not be as educated but that unfortunately was not the case they just didn't move like they normally do so you know but there were still birds here to hunt you know you may have been hunting local birds that just means you got to work harder and get creative and and um one of the things that that was that is frustrating is you know people there are people in the world who have uh, great opportunities to hunt private land. Um, the guy hunted with Wednesday, for example, he has an awesome opportunity with this property that he's got to hunt. And anybody in their right mind, if they had that property, would would jump on it in a heartbeat if they had the ability to hunt that. And and that's great, great for him. I wish I had a property like that close to hunt. But you know what? That's just how it is. If it's not him hunting it, it's somebody else. So, um, sitting around and saying, man, I wish I could hunt that property or, or that's not fair. or This isn't fair. Like that, that doesn't do you any good. And, you know, there are guys on public land while he's out on that piece of private that he's got permission on and he's stacking up birds. There are guys on public land here in Arkansas that are getting it done. And that's the thing, like, those guys, they're out there working their butts off, looking for birds, and finding them, and getting on them. And that's what it takes. And and I had to explain to uh, my buddy Alan, I was like, look, man, like, I went out and I busted my ass before the season looking for birds, and we found the pond. And I got up at 4 o'clock every morning for the entire week leading up to opening day, and I went and scouted that pond. And kept an eye on it to make sure it was going to be any, you know, good for opening day. Well, as we went throughout the week, it started having less and less birds on it. And they kind of started moving out. And they were local birds. And they were just kind of moving around. And, and they were going somewhere else at that point. They had they had pretty much cleaned out the food source, you know, the couple weeks before season. But so I told him and my cousin, I said, look, I'm going to check it Friday morning and Friday afternoon. If it hasn't gotten any better by Friday afternoon, I'm going to drive down um, to uh, to a public spot that we typically hunt that's about an hour and a half away from my house, and I'm going to see if there's birds there, and if there are, then we'll go there in the morning on sat- on that opening day, Saturday morning. So I drive over there. There's no birds there. I hop in my truck. I haul it down south an hour and a half, check it, find birds, find a spot to hunt. I I get it all set up. We go down, we kill a three-man limit. We're done by nine, and we're headed home. And it's like, you know, I told him, I was like, it takes scouting. I've put like 8,000 miles on my truck this duck season looking for birds, driving to Kansas, driving all around when I'm up there looking for birds. You know, and that's what it takes. It takes work. You know, my cousin, he lives about 45 minutes from the place that I'm talking about going and scouting, but he will tell you, 
he doesn't get frustrated with it because he's he'll he'll say he's like i don't put in the time to go scout but he also doesn't get frustrated when he goes and there's no birds because he knows well i didn't you know i didn't go find birds so you know i'm just hoping that there's birds there and if they're not then they're not and that's you know on me for not scouting so he he understands that you know and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that so the the thing with seeing guys on the facebook groups it just i i have to stay off the facebook groups because it drives me nuts with the guys who are like well you know where are the birds at and people not you know you sit there and you ask people where the birds are. If people know where the birds are, they're not going to tell you. And I wouldn't tell you either. I would tell you, get up off the couch, get in your truck, and go find them. Like, if you want to know where the birds are and you want to hunt them, then go find them yourself. Like, put the work in. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. And it's a lot of work. And it costs money. It's like, I burned through almost two tanks of diesel. That's 800 miles in two weekends like i i don't drive my personal truck during the week because i have a work truck but i i put like a thousand miles on my truck one like in in a weekend and a half looking for birds in kansas back at the first of the year and it's just like you know you've got to be willing to go out and put the time into scout if you want to have good hunts it's just how it is. That's just how it works. And sometimes you're going to put that time in and you're going to find those birds and you're going to say, okay, we're going to hunt them tomorrow and they're going to leave that night. And that's just how it goes and that's part of it. And it sucks when that happens, but it happens. And that's just part of it. That's part of hunting. And, yeah, it's, you know, the the there's some guys like me. I've gotten permission on some private land, which is great, and I love it. It is so much nicer than going hunting public land because I don't have to deal with all the people, um, the sky busters. I don't have to deal with a guy walking in 30 minutes before light and setting up 50 yards from me. Um, And so that part of it's great. But I will say I prefer to hunt public land because when you put it all together, and you do have to deal with that guy that's 50 yards from you, and you do have to deal with the guy who's hail calling down the at the other end of the marsh, and you do have to deal with the guy that's sky-busting birds, and you still get it done, that's a really good feeling, for me at least. And that's a personal thing. There's some guys where that doesn't do it for them. You know, some guys are going to hunt, you know, once or twice a year, they're going to go to a duck club, and they're going to spend a lot of money to do it, and they're going to go kill their birds, and they're going to go home, and that's what they're going to do every year, and there's nothing wrong with that either, but there's no reason if you are a new duck hunter, and you are sitting there complaining about guys who go and do the club stuff, the duck club stuff, or the outfitters, or have the private land, just stop. Either save your money and go do it that way and go and pay to go to an outfitter or whatever or go ask people permission and go knock on some doors or go hunt public land, bust your butt and find birds and quit complaining. There's no sense in complaining because there are guys out there getting it done on public land every single day so 
that's kind of my my rant this week. It's been on my mind a lot. I'm I've gotten up on my soapbox with my buddy uh, Alan about it, and uh, he took it well. Um, and once we had the conversation, I kind of got on to him a little bit, I guess. And, and, uh, he, uh, he took it well and he was like, yeah, you know, I guess you're right. And, and he understands and he knows that, you know, it's going to take that extra time, you know, put in. So, and let's talk, one of the things that, that he expressed to me, and and this is the other part I want to talk about is Instagram pile pics. Pile pics on Instagram, in my opinion, are detrimental to new hunters because all you see are those great hunts. All you see are the hunts where they've killed, hey, we killed a six man by eight o'clock. Hey, we, you know, we stacked up the geese. We stacked up the mallards. Hey, we got our wood ducks today too. We got these, we got this. And it, it is so detrimental to new hunters because that's all they see and they they get it in their mind that that's how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to go out and you're supposed to kill your limit of birds and it's supposed to be all green heads and this and that. And when they don't, they're like, well, what the heck? Like, I want a pile pick. So that's the other thing I will tell new hunters Look at Instagram just because it's fun. It's fun to see the pile pigs. I like seeing them. But do not get it in your head that that's just the way that it's going to be. Where you're going to go out and you're going to kill limits of mallards. You're going to kill limits of Canada's or specs or whatever it is. That is that is due to guys either putting in work and finding birds on public or guys knocking on doors and getting permission. Some guys, it's just they are fortunate that their families own property that have great hunting on them, and, and they've got that that opportunity. Or it's guys that are going to duck clubs and outfitters, and they're getting it done with outfitters. But no matter which way you you put it, that is not how it always is. So don't go into duck hunting expecting to just stack limits like you see on these Instagram pile picks. It is, it is, social media is so great for hunting and at the same time it can be so bad because, you know, I, I'm in this, I, I'm in a dive bomb page, the fan page forum deal on Facebook. If you're not on that, you need to get on it. It's great. Um, a great community of guys and, and everyone's pretty much willing to help each other out. Like, um, you know, I asked a question on there of like, I've got these dive bomb decoys. I want to get some more for next year. What would be y'all's next move? What, what would be, what would you add to enhance your spread? And I had several guys get back to me and put pictures of different ones next to each other and super, super helpful. Um, and so for that, it's great. I love it for that because it's just it's good guys and and guys helping each other out and and trying to grow this sport. But then you've got like the pile pictures and you've got the people who do things the wrong way. You've got people who disrespect the birds. You've got people who who go out and they kill more than their limit. There is a kid in the apprenticeship program that I am a part of 
that just drives me absolutely nuts because he will openly tell me how he kills more birds than his limit and it pisses me off. And he does not care at all. But he's also a very entitled kid. Um, He thinks his last name means something and let me tell you, it does not. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox about that. But it can be bad because it can it can give new and young hunters this this idea that it's supposed to just happen and it doesn't. It takes work. It takes time and it takes effort. So, I guess that's my message is be willing to put in the the work to find the birds so that you can have those successful hunts. Um, and yeah, just always remember when you're sitting there not killing birds, there is somebody somewhere getting it done. Um, so don't ever let yourself get discouraged and think that, um, you know, that it's just, that it's not possible or something with any year like this. I know it's probably easy sometimes to sit there and think, gosh, there's just, there's no way you could kill a bird this year, but there is just, it just takes time and, and uh, sometimes it's hard, and it, and it sometimes it's just not going to happen. But be willing to put the work in. Be willing to go put the miles on your truck. Be willing to go knock on the doors and ask permission. And uh, good things will happen. Good things will happen if if uh, if you're willing to do that. And so, um, that's that's what we're going to finish this off with today. And this has been episode six of the Quack Attic Podcast. We've got a long week ahead of us here for the final week and weekend of season. And um, we're going to get after it hard. And I am looking forward to bringing you guys next week's episode at the end of the year for a full year recap and uh, looking into what we have in store for the off season going into next year. So with that, I'll leave you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, make sure you go and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, helps me out a ton. Please, please, please go do that. And please share this with your friends. Uh, let them know about the Quack Attic Podcast. And we'll catch up with you guys next week. See you.